Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Well, welcome again to RUF. I'm Nathan, the campus minister here, and we're really glad you joined us. Thank you for uh, making the time to be here, and I hope uh, this can be an encouraging time uh, to sing the Lord's praises, to pray together, just to see other believers, uh, people trying uh, to follow God in this strange time. So why don't we just pray before we dive in. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would come and be with us. Lord, help us to know your word. Help it to sink down deeply. We pray that it would change our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in the series. We're coming right up to the end. What do you believe? And we've been asking, uh, what do we as Christians, or what do Christians believe? Uh, in this last one, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is one of those ideas or concepts that it's easy to kind of skim over, and it's really important for us at the outset to define what we mean. So sometimes in a definition, it's helpful to say what we don't mean. And so I want to do a little exercise to uh, go through that. Um, when we think of asking somebody for forgiveness, we usually think of these, these uh, if you count it, uh, the contraction is one word, two words, I'm sorry. Or if it's three, I am sorry. You know, here's some examples. I'm sorry I snapped at you. I'm just so stressed right now. I'm sorry I'm late. I got caught up in a conversation. I'm sorry I lied to you. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. These are maybe relatively minor or maybe some of them everyday kind of ways that we ask other people in our lives for forgiveness. But is that really what we're talking about? We're talking about forgiveness. I want to put forward that, no, I think this is actually an excuse. I'm sorry I snapped at you. I'm just so stressed right now, right? That's actually an excuse, an explanation for why you did it. Uh, Asking for forgiveness is actually naming what you did wrong. So maybe it's better. I got angry at you. That was wrong. And I am sorry. Will you forgive me? This is what it means to ask for forgiveness. It means to identify the wrongdoing and make no excuses for it. Because to do wrong against anyone especially to do wrong against God, is inexcusable. I'm sorry I'm late. I got caught up in a conversation, traffic, whatever. These are excuses. I did not value your time. I didn't respect you. That was wrong. Please forgive me. That is actually asking for forgiveness. I'm sorry I lied to you. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. We do this all the time. We, we say these white lies because we want to cover up, um, and we make excuses and rationalize for it, but... To ask forgiveness means, I'm sorry I lied to you. It was wrong and showed that I didn't believe that you could handle the truth, which ended up hurting you more. Will you forgive me? To truly ask for forgiveness, truly receive forgiveness, is to not make any excuses. It's to admit that what I did, at its core, in its essence, was inexcusable. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. And these are relatively minor examples, right? And somewhat maybe laughable, but maybe very relatable. When it comes to the deeper things, 
the bigger sins, the bigger things that we do wrong in life, it gets a lot more complicated. It almost becomes even harder to say, I'm sorry I did this wrong thing, because none of us want to be known as a liar, a cheater, a stealer, a hater. No one wants to be known as that. But before God, we can be forgiven. And so we can say, I have done wrong. Will you forgive me? And we can receive that. So right at the beginning, I want to uh, use this definition from C.S. Lewis that I think is really good. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That thing for which there is no excuse. It's just pure wrong. It's sin. God has forgiven us for that. We're going to start with this idea. Forgiveness is grounded in God forgiving the inexcusable in you. So in order to forgive anyone of anything, we have to receive forgiveness uh, ourselves from God. There, there are two things that it's grounded in. Fact and faith. Let's start with fact. In Colossians 2, as Savannah read, And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, in other words, our sin, our wrongdoing, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. What does that mean, nailing it to the cross? You might have seen a crucifix with a sign nailed above Jesus. And this is kind of a replica of what it could have looked like. What they did is criminals in that day who were executed on the cross, their crime was written probably on wood and nailed to the cross. This is why they were dying. This is the crime they committed, which gives reason for this horrible punishment. And here we see Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. That was his crime. But what we read in Colossians is remarkable. He set aside our record of debt and nailed it to the cross, which cancels it. So if you can, if you can just envision this board and this picture listing out every single sin you ever committed in your past, maybe every single sin in your present and your future, all written out, my board would have to be extremely big. Um, it's canceled. That record of sin, all of it, past, present, future, for all those who place their trust in Christ and his forgiveness that he bought on the cross, it's completely erased. The debt, to use an economic metaphor, is canceled. In the Bible, it talks about as far as the east is from the west, infinite separation, is your sin removed from you? In another part, it says, though your sins be as scarlet, been, your heart has made been white as snow. This is a remarkable thing. And this is grounded in fact. As surely as we know, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus was a historical fact. Our forgiveness is grounded in fact. I also said it's grounded in faith. 
The next passage in Colossians 3 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now what this means is to have uh, spiritually setting your eyes on the, the spiritual reality, which is your sin in its entirety, entirety is canceled. It's forgiven. And so faith is setting your mind on that. It's trusting God at his word. He just said, he set it aside. He canceled it. And so faith is believing that to be true. Uh, it's not literally, you know, having this, this lofty, like, you know, always head in the clouds kind of uh, mentality, but it's believing God's word to be true, that you are forgiven. So forgiveness, first of all, it's grounded in this fact of the crucifixion and the resurrection and our faith in it. We believe it. We have to believe in order to forgive. So the next thing is that forgiveness of others, of ourselves, receiving forgiveness flows out of a new identity with new behavior. So let's look at these two things, identity and behavior. This new identity, you have been set free. Uh, my wife and I just started watching and we love watching uh, films or documentaries about people who've been in jail for crimes that they did not commit and then they are set free finally after there's an appeal and there's a new uh, jury, you know, justice is actually done and they are set free. But this is actually us. We are set free and we actually did commit the crime. This is how like scandalous it is. We've been set free from debtor's prison for our sin. And we're out. We're out. We are free. And so we have this new identity. We've been forgiven. We're criminals that have been set free. We have a new self. Where am I getting this? I'm getting this from the Colossians 3, 9 through 10 passage. It says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Meaning you're no longer uh, operating like you're a criminal. Um, but you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You're being made to look like Jesus. Let's get more into this metaphor um, putting off the old self, you know, if you can envision, you know, maybe someone with rags for clothes and for some reason they're adopted into a very wealthy family and maybe this family is royalty and their old clothes are taken off. They're thrown away, maybe burned and their new robes are put on. They have a new identity. It's part of the family of God. They resemble the son of God himself. And so this is what it means to, um, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever gotten like a new suit, a new dress or, you know, gotten really dressed up. You almost feel like a new person. This is kind of the idea here. Put on a new self. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't sin. No, I have a new self. So what are the behaviors of the new self? I want to use some just... Uh, pictures that hope, hopefully can um, uh, stick in your mind to understand uh, what the behaviors of the new self are. 
in Colossians 3, it says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And this is one of a list of behaviors. It says, put on then, meaning these are your new clothes, God's, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, meaning you have been forgiven. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So one of the key behaviors of someone who is forgiven, who has that new identity, has that new self, has put on these new clothes, is forgiving others. And I want to talk about kind of steps to forgiveness. Like, what does it mean to actually forgive? I think we have to stop when we've been sinned against and think about a few different things. We have to stop and remember the cross. We have to remember that we've been forgiven. But implied in that is that we have sinned too. That we've sinned against God and we've sinned against others. And so if we are to truly put on humility and meekness, we need to put ourselves in that person who sinned against us, put ourselves in their shoes. And what do I mean by that? Remember how you have sinned and that you would have done the same thing if you were in their shoes. You are essentially no different from them. And this is really hard to remember. It takes going back to the fact and the faith, right? Remembering the cross, what Jesus did for us. But this takes time. It's not going to happen quickly. Um, Sometimes we don't have the wherewithal in the moment when we've been sinned against to actually stop and to think and reflect, right? Sometimes it's, it's just a, a knee-jerk reaction and uh, retaliation or, or, or whatever it is. But to be patient, to put, uh, you know, put on patience, we need to have this posture of non-retaliation and first waiting and thinking and pondering. What was going on that they, they chose to say that thing to me or do that to me? Um, this is a practice of, of empathy. It's also a practice of humility. And then the next thing we do is we forgive. Now, that sounds really simplistic. What does it mean to forgive? The Greek word for forgive is rooted in this word charis or charis. It's Grace, favor, gratitude, the English word charity uh, is related to it. It means don't retaliate. Instead, choose to give them mercy. Give them what they don't deserve. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Did any of us deserve to be forgiven? The answer is no. In the same way, we are to show grace, to show mercy to others. Now, let's unpack what that actually entails to show someone mercy, to forgive them. It means you leave 
uh, the consequences for whatever their action was up to them. I'm, I'm sorry, not up to them, up to God. You leave justice up to God. You leave um, telling them exactly where they went wrong and reading them the riot act. You leave, you leave that aside. That's not your responsibility. And instead, you, you absorb the pain that they've inflicted on you. This is a picture of uh, what I believe is a rainforest. And um, one of the great things about trees is they absorb carbon in the atmosphere, right? Pollutants that uh, a lot of times, um, you know, cities and factories have let out into the air, trees absorb it, right? Now, if, if we, you know, if a tree was different, you know, maybe he'd attack and he'd say, send out carbon himself, right? And then that, we would be in really big trouble, right? No, what does the tree do? It absorbs it. It absorbs it. That's why trees are, are amazing things. And in the same way, what we have to do when we forgive someone, we have to absorb that pain. We have to absorb what they have done. And we have to feel it. Um, and let me, let me explain where I'm getting that. When Christ was on the cross, what he was doing was he was absorbing the punishment for our sin. He was taking it on himself. And so in a similar way, not an identical way, when others sin against us and we choose to forgive them, we have to say, I am not going to do my emotion on you. I am going to feel my emotion. And it's okay to say like, hey, you hurt me and this caused a lot of, of grief. I was frustrated when you said that. I was, I was hurt. You know, I love you so much. I can't believe you. You said that it hurt my feelings. You know, acknowledging that to the other person is okay. But there's a big difference between doing that emotion, which is really retaliation, and making sure that they know the consequences for their sin and just feeling it and absorbing it. It's giving up justice to God. Now, this gets really tricky when we have situations and relationships where we continually are sinned against over and over and over again. And this is where I want to make sure this is clear that forgiveness is always a spiritual reality. It may not always be a relational or emotional reality. What do I mean by that? Forgiveness starts with a spiritual reckoning, a spiritual remembering our forgiveness and choosing to forgive someone else. There may be relationships where you will never reconcile. It is dangerous and unwise for you to continue that relationship. What do I mean by the emotional aspect of it? You may not feel like you can be in a relationship again with that person. You may not feel like all of those feelings of hurt that they inflicted on you are completely gone once you've said, I forgive you. No, it, it doesn't work like that. You may feel that for a really, really long time. That's why we have to remember forgiveness is a spiritual exercise. It's saying, I'm choosing to forgive you, even though I still feel 
the hurt. We don't necessarily forget the sin. It's really impossible to, right? Um, but we do forgive. Just like a broken bone when it's healed, so I'm told, is sometimes even stronger than when it was first broken in some cases. This is the beautiful part of our own stories with just respect to God and our stories and relationships with others. That sometimes the, the sin in that story and the forgiveness of it can become part of it. And it can be a beautiful part of your story together where you can look back and say, man, I really hurt you. I really sinned against you. Isn't it amazing what God has done in our friendship? Isn't it amazing what God has done in this father-daughter relationship or whatever it is? And you can say, God has shown us mercy in this. What we meant for evil, God meant for good. The last thing I want to say is forgiveness is a radical opportunity at a new way of life. Those who have been forgiven and those who in turn forgive others, it can change the way you view the world. Um, for yourself, it can give you that, that sense of freedom, that sense of weight off your shoulders. When you carry around bitterness and resentment towards others, it has almost physical, certainly psychological effects on us. And to forgive can feel like a weight being taken off your shoulders. It can bring about so much freedom. And in the future, when you think about entering into a new dating relationship, a new friendship, and maybe even revisiting conversations with your mother or your brother or sister or anyone uh, that you're close to, it can give you a freedom and a hope and a joy that, yes, I can go about my life and know that even if others sin against me, I have deep resources within me to be able to forgive them because I have been forgiven much. I can forgive others. We don't have to be afraid of relationships, friends. We can move forward in them boldly with courage. This is an amazing, amazing thing. And it's also an amazing thing for others to see. Uh, this is the emoji for astonished. <laughs> um, it is really astonishing to maybe be on the outside and watch forgiveness occur. Maybe you've, you've heard about two friends who are you know, in an argument or a fight, or, or maybe you know about sin that has happened in the world, and you're like, man, I can't believe anyone would ever forgive that person. And when forgiveness happens, the world looks perhaps agape, saying, wow, why? Why would they do that? And guys, we can point them to the cross. We can say, Look what Jesus did. That astonished me so much so that I can forgive others. And you can be forgiven too. In our cultural moment, 
cancel has a new uh, connotation, right? This is actually a friend of mine, a pastor, Walter Henniger. He says, we love to cancel sinners, but God loves to cancel sin. What would that change about our view of the world, our culture, if we actually believe that? That God loves to cancel sin. Therefore, we don't have to cancel sinners. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for you and what you have done. You canceled the record of sin. You nailed it to the cross. You laid it aside. Lord, we ask that as you have forgiven us, we would forgive others. Lord, help us not to separate those things. But if we believe that we are forgiven, that it would naturally flow that we forgive others and we receive forgiveness from others as well. Lord, I pray that your spirit would work to thaw bitterness, resentment that some of us might be struggling with towards others who have done deep, deep wrong. Lord, we thank you that you you acknowledge that, yes, it's wrong. Yes, it hurt, but you enable us to forgive. And Lord, you enable healing to happen at times. Lord, we just ask that you would move by your spirit to do this work in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.